I'll say this. I hate when I have slow internet and I hate getting hostility from business computer guys. Uh, If you're sick and tired of yours and your network's not running properly, if he takes forever to call you back, are you paying the company good money to keep things working but you're still having constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues, does your head hurt from having to deal with all of this? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom at Heritage Digital, 843-664-8989. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your network runs correctly all the time. It's for one low monthly fee. Uh, I know that When I've done this before, one low monthly fee is great. With clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So please call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage today, 843-664-8989. That's 843-664-8989 or heritagedigital.com and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. This portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. All right, welcome in to the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. I'm J.C. Sherbert. It's Thursday, July 29th. Um, boy, lots to talk about today. want to thank Heritage Digital Heard that at the beginning of the show. Please give them a call. They keep the lights on here at the ITG podcast. Two days from departing on vacation to the beach for a week. Um, So house cleaning note here. Uh, Originally, I was just going to kind of take a break from the podcast. uh, And I am personally, but I've got uh, a few things scheduled out for next week. So we'll have some episodes next week. Um, Interviews, things like that. Just keep in mind. They were recorded earlier, uh, you know, college football <laughs> these days. It's, things seem to change rapidly. So uh, just uh, they're good listens, though. So they're, they're more like general stuff uh, as it relates to South Carolina and um, the recent uh, changes in college football. Uh, okay, so yesterday we talked about how programs rise and recruiting plans and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, I I said all that and that's, you know, the nuts and bolts of recruiting. Um, And, you know, you have to have a plan in this sport, I think, to get players and and you have to have a plan unique to where you are, uh, at least while you're building, Uh, you know, and I, use some examples from around the country uh, of that, Uh, you know, talked about Clemson again and how, you know, yes, they had Deshaun Watson, Christian Wilkins, but uh, that team wasn't loaded with five stars. There were a lot of guys that on that team that beat Alabama in 2016 that started, that made big plays in the game that were just great evaluations and development by that program. And I think you still have to have that. I mean, you're going to have to have that in football period, no matter what level you're at, it's just the nature of the sport. Um, 
And, and so we talked about all that. And, and I thought, you know, I felt pretty good about that. But, you know, as we do sometimes uh, in life or in this business or in my position, you, you start thinking through things uh, because all this change has happened quickly. Um, and there's been a lot of discussion on the message boards on the bigspur.com, other message boards across the country uh, for college football fans. There's just a lot of, um, you know, uncertainty, excitement, some people panicking, uh, and that's to be expected. Um, so I want to talk about NIL today, and we, we've discussed this and discussed this, you know, the pros, cons, what's it going to become, you know, and, and all that. And, and I think, you know, some folks out there uh, that don't want college players to get paid at all um, or make any money, um, you know, I understand, you know, if you're a purist, you're like, well, what's this going to do to the game? Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be overwhelmingly positive for the college game. I, I think, I think there's some pitfalls with it. And I think quite frankly, South Carolina could benefit from it because of the South Carolina podcast. So we're always going to talk focus on what's good for the Gamecocks. Um, and so, you know, we, we've had some stories out there, Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, almost a seven-figure deal per Nick Saban. Uh, the situation with the number one recruit in the 2022 class, Quinn Ewers, I think that's how you say it, from South Lake Carroll uh, out in Texas. Uh, this, this story comes across yesterday. Uh, this kid hadn't taken a snap uh, in college. Uh, he's got a seven-figure deal on the table. The Texas high school governing body uh, says no. You, you know, we, there's a state law in Texas where – High school players can't profit off of that. Um, we'll see how quickly they may change that. But uh, so he's thinking about just saying, screw it, and going to Ohio State early uh, because he's able to do that academically and uh, skipping his senior year of high school football. Never am a fan of folks skipping their senior year of high school football. I think football, uh, obviously, like I said, developmental game, you get better by playing it. You miss a year on the high school level. Uh, then what if you have to red shirt in college and you don't play a lot? I mean, you're, you're looking at two years before you stepped on the field. That's an eternity when you're talking about player development. So never been a fan of that. Now this situation is unique uh, because I think the idea was, you know, that when people first read the headline, because the national media, whenever one of these guys gets one of these big deals, they put it out there. Like, oh my God. See, they could have made, been making this money the whole time uh, as if it were all 85 guys on the roster. Uh, which is stupid. That's, that's just that, – that's never going to happen. That, that doesn't happen in the NFL. You know, all your guys on the roster don't make the same. That happens. But, um, you know, so, so this story circulates and all that. Um, but it is unique. If you, if you read the, the actual deal is this. It's not Ohio State, unless an Ohio State booster fan happens to own – uh, this particular company. It's a company out of Dallas uh, that, you know, in high school football in Texas is a big deal, by the way. In South Lake Carroll, there's probably no, none bigger. So it's probably not a bad business move on their part that they want him to come endorse their products. I think it's some sort of natural juice um, and give him some stock in the company as part of the deal. It's a startup, which that is a, that is a business deal that uh, I think is perfectly legitimate and real. Um, people are like, well, you know, Ohio State. This, Ohio, it's not Ohio State. It's uh, it's it's the it's a local company. You know, it'd be like, 
you know, if, if I were a player in Spartanburg and, you know, I was going off to Notre Dame um, or something and, and the, the beacon drive in wanted to make me, you know, uh, jock their chili cheeseburgers and they were going to give me a piece of what the beacon made. <laughs> For those of you from Spartanburg, you know what the beacon is. It's uh, I can hear my arteries hardening right now, even though I hadn't eaten there in a while, but I plan to next time I'm in town. Uh, really good food. Not good for you. Really good food, though. Really good tea. Uh, anyway, they can they can pay to advertise on the show, the Beacon. But you know that that's a similar thing. And and I think with the hometown and the local deal on the high school level, that's a lot different. And I think high school players, you know, some states don't have rules against it. You know, uh, I think what's prevented that from happening uh, on the high school level in a lot of ways is, um, you know, that it, it impacts their eligibility for the NCAA. So they do it. In other words, when Jadevi uh, and Clowney came out of South Point, you know, local businesses in Rock Hill couldn't get him to endorse products because he'd be ineligible. Well, now you're allowed to do it at the college level, so high schools should follow, probably follow suit, and I think we'll see that. And I think, you know, quite frankly, um, th this opens up a lot of different things from a recruiting standpoint. In other words, like if, if you have – a clowny in your state or a Lattimore in your state and you're a Gamecock owned business and you cut them a big deal. Um, you can include a stipulation that they don't get their money if they don't sign with your school and all kinds of things like that. You're not supposed to do that per the guidelines uh, and different States have different laws. So it may be against the law to do that in some States. I mean, and that's why there needs to be something uniform. So there's a lot of questions about it, but um, you know, I, I think theoretically that could happen. So this story breaks Quinn Ewers, good quarterback, really good player, deserves to be number one in the country, uh, that kind of thing. I, I, and if it were Ohio State pushing this money on him, and like I said, I don't know the, the company's background, maybe, maybe they're big Buckeyes and got him, but I mean, the kid was committed to Texas for a while. So, you know, if, if Ohio State was kind of, their people were involved with him earlier. They, they didn't work because he committed to another school. But, um, you know, so that came out. So was, it, I, I started thinking about this NIL thing because there is a lot of concern on the part of the Gamecocks and other programs, quite frankly, that, that don't have the massive fan bases uh, like your Texas, like Ohio State, like Notre Dame, you know, just massive amounts of people that, that, that are fans and boosters. And anytime the more people you have, um, you know, the more money you collectively have because, you know, there's a cross section and then you're going to have more big time boosters uh, at, at programs with more fans. That's just how they're, that's just how it is. So there's this concern that, Hey, you know, you're never going to get any players because they're going to gobble up all these guys. Um, and so I have several points on this. And, and, I, and I actually think, you know, knowing recruiting, uh, knowing the uh, lay of the land, knowing the sport of football and, and how players develop and don't develop and having tracked that for, you know, two decades now, uh, I've arrived at this. First and foremost, uh, I'll say this in general. If you want to see a program fall, there's an E word that uh, 
is a common theme with a lot of them, and that's entitlement. You know, why why can't Texas get above eight wins? Because all their players are entitled and soft. Um, you know, what happened to Butch Jones at Tennessee with all that five-star talent he had and two top five recruiting classes? Why did that team go, you know, his final team go winless in the SEC? They had massive – you talk to any Tennessee fan you want, you know, any person that knows that program, massive – massive entitlement and culture issues on that roster. It got bad. Uh, and I, I don't even know why, you know, so that there was you know a culture issue bad, you know, Pruitt had to come in there and now he's gone. So, you know, so you ask that question, you know, what happened to Jimbo Fisher's Florida state team? You know, people talk about facilities and all that, but you know, they had some top five classes as well. And a lot of those guys didn't pan out and it's entitlement. It's entitlement, and and I'm not blaming the kids. I, I think if you're a high school kid uh, and you've been you had your butt kissed for all this time, it takes a certain type of mindset, and that's hard to do when you're 17, 18 years old. I know because I'm you know when I was that age, boy, <laughs> um, you know, or parents guiding them or something like that, you know, uh, to avoid the pitfalls of entitlement. And when entitlement creeps into your program, you know, why is it so hard to sustain success in college football? It's entitlement. Because the guys that get there first aren't entitled. Uh, you look around, you know, that first Southern Cal team uh, to win the national championship, you know, they were pissed off because in 03, they kind of got screwed. Uh, you know, Matt Leonard, Reggie Bush, all those guys, they didn't come into that program going, we're the mighty Southern California Trojans and we're just going to coast. Um, you know, they got there. That Clemson team I mentioned earlier, that's the group that got there. They were hungry. You know, they went out there and got it. And Clemson's done a good job of sustaining it and all that. It hasn't crept in. Alabama, you know, Nick Saban's first big recruiting class was nothing but a bunch of in-state kids. They had a record year in Alabama that year. I think they signed 15 of them plus some legacies like Mark Ingram was a Saban legacy. Basically Barrett Jones was a legacy out of Memphis. Uh, you know, Marcel Darius was a three-star guy. <clears throat> Wouldn't got a Juco, the big, uh, the big tank guy, you know, the guy in the middle that blocked the field goal against Tennessee. I mean, that, that team got there and, and Saban, the genius of Nick Saban a lot of times is if you hear him talk and you, look at sort of his plan and philosophy, the, the, the never satisfied, move on to the next thing. The process is what they call it. Uh, this is why it works for them because, you know, they get a bunch of elite recruits and they get them in there and they're like, well, you know, and their whole philosophy is you got to work, you got to work, you got to work, or you're going to fall behind. Uh, if you notice, they, they lose very few players to transfer. Last year during COVID, a lot of those guys are first round draft picks. They didn't opt out. You know, and, and so that's the system. But that's Alabama. And like I said, we're, we're, we're witnessing Saban's Alabama. It's a historic run. Uh, maybe unprecedented. Maybe it will never be repeated again once it's over. I don't see it getting being over anytime soon. So they didn't let entitlement sneak in. Even the Alabama teams that have lost a couple of games over the years, they, they always play hard. They always battle. You know, it may not always work out, but they're out there playing. They play physical. They play fast. They're competitive. So 
you know, entitlement sinks ships. Uh, that's why, you know, you have the issues at Texas. That's why uh, Texas numerically out recruits Oklahoma every single year. And Oklahoma always seems to win the Big 12. <laughs> uh, entitlement. So entitlement sinks ships. And what you're dealing with now, uh, and, and this is the reason I don't think Gamecock fans or, you know, any program with high aspirations that may not have a huge fan base, I don't think you need to fear. You just – there needs to be an adjustment. The coaching staff, the athletics administration on down. Uh, and I think South Carolina is equipped to do this. Um, you know, it's not – I'm not diminishing the star ratings. Uh, I think that's important. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, it, they hit at about 55 60%. There's a lot of five-star busts. There are every year. A lot of first-round busts. It's the nature of the football. You got 85 on the roster. You got to play – you got to have 44 pretty good ones, you know, on offense and defense. Uh, that's a big number. So, if some of these blue bloods want to gamble with million-dollar deals before players take a snap, go ahead. Let them. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing about human nature. Uh, a kid that, you know, plays high school ball and gets a million dollars handed to him right away, how hard is he really going to work? That's life-changing money for anybody at that age. You know? Look at, look at some of these child actors and uh, look at Britney Spears, you know, and, and famous art that they get famous that at that age. Look and see kind of the road that they've traveled, you know, um, very few people have the gift to not be complacent. You know, I, I think Nick Saban's actually one of those people that have that gift, you know, because in life we want to be happy. We want to chase happiness. Money is not everything. It doesn't always make us happy. It doesn't always fulfill us. But if, if you're struggling or you come from a family that's even middle class and all of a sudden you have this money, you know, that you've worked hard for, in high school, I'm not saying they don't deserve it. Shoot, you need to cash in when you can. How much work are they going to put in? You know, um, I'll just give you an example. All right, so 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 let's say you go and you sign. You know, I'll use a South Carolina example and, and a couple of players here. Uh, Wesley Green, four-star corner out of Atlanta. Um, Georgia offers, all these other offers. South Carolina got him, right? Um, Wesley had some work to do to be good, quite frankly. Uh, didn't do it and ended up being dismissed. I think he went to Indiana to do much either. But, you know, that doesn't matter because your blue blood schools, and, and this is another important part, you know, unless your coaching staff is just like, I mean, yeah, all right, I'll back up. Your coaching staff's probably going to guide you in a little bit. You know, you're probably going to be able to figure out who they really want. But if, if you're a, a booster or a business, you're not necessarily going to sit there and go, oh, there's this three-star kid I'm going to pay a million dollars for because the coaching staff really wants it. That's not going to happen. You know, so, 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 so let's just call it like it is and say the star ratings are going to guide this thing. So let's say, you know, you shell out the money for a Wesley Green. Um, 
Actually, I'm, I'm not going to use Wesley Green as an example. I'm, I'm going to use Tyreek Stevenson, uh, who just transferred from Georgia to Miami. Um, nah, actually, I've got a good Georgia one. Hold on. Uh, I'm actually going to have to look this up, folks. But uh, five-star guy, hold on. This is I got to get his name right because uh, I'm cooking with grease now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a good point here. All right, so I'm getting the stupid – all right i got this uh got a little have technical issues here i'm looking up on my phone so eh, this kid out of Peachtree ridge a few years back let me let me look five-star guy part of one of kirby's early classes let's see let's see who he is all right i just want to get his name wasn't in the the first one, the first number one class they had. Was it 2017? This kid ended up trying. D'Angelo Gibbs from Grace. He went to Grayson. He was at Peachtree Ridge and transferred for Grayson. There's your there's your first red flag. Um, six two two oh four. Sort of everybody thought he was getting you know five star guy though. Everybody wanted him. Got too big to play corner, um, and that was a concern. So he dropped to like 50th in the country at the end, but five-star guy. So D'Angelo Gibbs, and, and by the way, it's kind of funny. D'Angelo Gibbs, they say, ah, questions about his size and speed, probably moving to safety. He's 49th in the country. Keenan Nelson drops out. <laughs> there you go. Um, D'Angelo Gibbs, uh, never saw the field at Georgia, never played. Nothing like that. And this was the 2017 class, right? Uh, so there we go. Um, if you're a Georgia booster or a fan or whatever, and NIL is in play and he's got Auburn and other schools wanting him, he's right in your backyard, you're probably going to cut a deal. You know, maybe it's six, it's probably at least six figures, you know, I would think based on you know, the uh, alleged market value. So this guy, he goes to Georgia, never gets off the bench, transfers, I think, to Tennessee. They tried to move into wide receiver. I have no idea where he's even at now. I may still be at Tennessee. Never played either place. Not Just not a good player. Same thing with Demetrius Robertson at, at wide receiver. Um, five-star guy, went out to Cal, did good, got hurt, came back. Now he's at Auburn for one final hurrah, but that guy's never – lived up to potential, but I'm talking about defensive backs because I got a good comparison here. So, so D'Angelo Gibbs, right? So Georgia, you know, whoever shells out all this money to get him, I mean, he never does anything. So, you know, meanwhile, uh, and, and these guys were not the same age. Meanwhile, South Carolina takes DJ Swearing, your three-star guy. Um, questions about his speed, in-state kid, thankful for the opportunity. You know, maybe doesn't get an NIL deal at all coming in. Works his ass off. <laughs> Ends up, you know, being fast, uh, getting faster, which is rare. And is one of the most memorable players in the history of South Carolina football. And is still in the NFL. And probably would have cashed in on NIL later on, and certainly as a pro. So, so who are you going to take? 
And that's anecdotal. You know, that's just one example. But the rankings, folks, hit at 60%. That's good. Obviously, when you're talking about the numbers, you have a higher percentage of a five-star panning out. But it's a sport with 85 players on a roster. You're not going to spend $85 million a year if you're a booster. No, Nobody can put together that kind of cash uh, and spend that year to year to year on college football. I don't care how much they love it. Uh, and somebody was like, well, they've been being paid this much all along. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. I've been privy to some of the, you know, deals behind the scenes. And we all know they've happened. I just, you know – haven't mentioned them and I'm not going to mention individual players a couple hundred grand over four years three years you know that's been kind of the what happens cars things like that benefits you know (laughs) that's the benefits package so you know since we're straight up paying guys you know cutting deals um, if you're worried about that don't be you know, it's the same type of fear where, oh, my God, Georgia signed the number one class in 2018. Everybody's doomed. And then you look at it a couple of years later, and it's not even that number one class that's making them great. Uh, it's some combination of good evaluations, transfers, and development at Georgia. You know, that 2018 class had Justin Fields and a lot of guys that have said, see ya. I think there's maybe – I think Jamari Saylor, who – was a questionable five-star on the offensive line is one of the few guys left. Zamir White's still there out of that class. But, you know, it's the same type of fear. And I think it's an irrational fear. So, you know, let the Blue blood spend cash on five-star players. Do it. I'm not saying you should never get involved. I'm not saying there's not going to come a time where South Carolina, for a player they really want, uh, doesn't have to step up to the plate and – you know, or the South Carolina community. Let's back up. It's not the athletic department. Again, the South Carolina people, let's say that, and businesses aren't going to have to step up and, and, and try to cut a deal. Uh, but I swear to God, I would not do it uh, unless it's like a no-brainer type player, like a Marcus Lattimore, Trevor Lawrence, Nick Chubb, um, Tory Gurley, even though Gurley probably wouldn't have gotten much money because he's only 56 in the country at the end. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and if I'm South Carolina, I'm using my, my, you know, big guns to protect the state. You know, I, I think you look back, who would have gotten a big NIL deal uh, so they could get them, you know, Clowney Wood, Marcus Wood, Gilmore Wood, Alshon Jeffrey, because you had to compete against Southern Cal for that guy, probably would have. Who else? Hmm. Not sure. Not sure. You know, present day, probably Jordan Birch, probably Zach Pickens. Who else? Mm, don't know. So unless it's a no-brainer quarterback, and, and Quinn Ewers may be. I mean, you know, you, you don't know. Uh, but but I'm talking like, you know, like Trevor Lawrence was like, you know, everybody kind of knew sophomore year on there. This guy's really – he's unbelievable. And so, in my opinion, you know, it, it takes it takes that type of talent and an and, and absolute no-brainer. Uh, and for South Carolina, preferably in-state or a legacy, like a guy you can really get, 
uh, in my opinion, you know, to, to, to fork out any kind of like massive amount of cash. And, and, and I think it's kind of one of those things where you, you can't, you, you got to sort of, if you're the, the coaches or the, the people involved, you got to hold your fire a little bit because it's so easy to sit there and go, oh, I got to get all these five stars and pay top dollar. Um, and this is just kind of how things are now. I don't know if there's going to be, uh, hopefully there'll be some sort of guardrails that come into place, that kind of thing. But right now it's a free for all. So here's what you do. Finite amount of cash at every single school. Okay. You sign 25 a year, you have 85 on scholarship. The facts are not every five and four star guy ends up being an NFL player. You know, it's just a percentage thing. It's, it's a numbers game. It's money ball. So what you do is, you know, you, you wait, let the, let, let the Texas boosters and AM boosters, Ohio state boosters bid millions of dollars and get in the bidding war over one or two guys that have a 60% chance of working out. And then what about the rest of them? And this is where South Carolina comes in. And I'm, and I want to preface this by saying, if you're South Carolina, unless it's an in-state no-brainer, Clowney, Lattimore, Jeffrey, one of those guys, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, maybe Jordan Birch and and, and, and Zach Pickens. Uh, you don't want those guys to leave the state. I'm going to talk about J- like Jaden Lucas that just committed to Clemson, number one player in the state, great player. Um, you know, somebody wants to get in a million-dollar bidding war with you over Jaden Lucas, let him go. You can go down to South Florida and find, probably try probably find somebody that's going to be just as good that'll come for the scholarship or a minimal amount of NIL. Um, and I think if you're a program like South Carolina, you hit the next tier. That's where you spend your money. And, and you sort of make it to where that next – you're highly competitive with anybody in the country the next year. Now, when I say the next tier, I'm talking rankings – uh, and I'm talking. I'm not talking about being, you know, paying three stars a bunch of money and all that good stuff. Um, if there is one, you know, you make it attractive. You win that battle. Um, I'm talking about like top fifty to two fifty, top seventy-five to two fifty type of guys. And number one, you got to still evaluate well, uh, and you pick your guys. And so, so let's say, you know, you're sitting there at eighty-fourth in the country you know, the number five running back in the country, but you're, you're elite, you're underrated. You're a guy that can come in, you know, and yeah, I'll, I'll use Marshawn Lloyd as an example, right? He ended up being dropped for whatever BS reason they dropped him speed. (laughs) Um, You know, and, and at the time, George is chasing some other guys, you know, and, and all that, and it, you don't know what's going to happen. And um, so Marshawn ends up at South Carolina just because that's where he felt most comfortable. And, you know, he was wanting to go play there and, and all that. You know, so that type of guy, you know, everybody else is going to be kind of like, well, we spent all this money on these five stars, you know, with the NIL thing. And we, we've got six of them. You know, how much are we really going to spend on a guy that's not five stars, which doesn't matter. I would never 
but but I know I know the system a little better than most. I would never spend money based on star ratings, you know, um, unless like I said, generational quarterback types, uh, running backs like you know Lattimore or you know Lloyd would be probably a guy that was worth it, even though he dropped. I think, and that's going to scare the blue bloods off. Uh, Nick Chubb, Tory Gurley, those types of running backs, you know. Uh, otherwise, I'm just going to go find my Travis Etienne or Kevin Harris and, and rock and roll. But, yeah, you know, guys like that that are clearly elite, you know, I think I would cut the deal. Because as we all saw in 2010, a running back like Marcus Lattimore can change your program. Uh, a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson could change your program. You know, so can a guy like Connor Shaw. But that's the bottom line. Okay, so uh, follow. I hope you still follow me here. So you hit the next tier, and 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 you know, and like I said, I'm not talking about you know South Carolina cuts the best NIL deals for three star talent or anything. I'm talking about like you know legit blue chippers. And the bottom line there is going to be you're going to be very competitive in that department, and you're going to get your share. You know, especially. You know, if the money's equal, it all comes down to things like, oh, um, you know, uh, proximity and culture and all, all the stuff we talked about yesterday when building a program. Uh, and you signed 25. So when all is said and done, 40% of their five stars are going to bust. They're not going to be able to outbid you in the NIL department on the next tier of guys because you're, you're going to, you're going to, uh, you know, you know, undercut them a bit with the, with your deal and say, Hey, you know, there's more to make, be made here. Uh, and then you just sell what you've got from a football standpoint. And I think, whereas these days you kind of see the corner market on blue chip guys with a handful of programs. Cause they, you know, they're just like signing them, sign them, sign them, sign them. You can see some of these guys go, okay, all right. You know, I'm not going to be a millionaire at South Carolina like my five-star buddy, but I'm better than him. And these guys are going to take care of me better because these other programs are, are more infatuated with these guys. And keep in mind, this is not coach driven. This is, uh, this is going to be booster driven because, and boosters, what I found again through two decades is they have huge egos. They're not going to sit there and pay a million dollars for a guy that's not one of the elite players in the country. And, you know, if you're the coaching staff at Ohio State or Georgia or wherever, notice I did not say Clemson yet, uh, you know, or Alabama. I think those two programs operate in unique ways. I'm talking about your normal, oh, my God, you know, Texas, all that. Yeah, well, oh, my God, look at how well they recruit and all that good stuff that aren't anything special from like a culture standpoint or a, you know, they're not, I'm not talking about special. I'm talking about unique. You know, Georgia could have a special season this year and win the national championship. And that would define as special, unique. How about that? There's nothing, you know, Alabama and Clemson are unique programs. Put it that way. And you sell what you have. And like I said, it's, it's not three-star money ball anymore where you're going to have to out evaluate guys um, for an entire class, you know, and I still think you're going to take guys and evaluate guys. Um, 
and all that. But but I think if you're if you're talking about upgrading and maybe recruiting at a higher level, if you play your cards right, this can give you a better team down the road. Uh, because and I'll say this, you know, as a sixty percent of five stars work out. Um, you know, only 21% of the five stars that don't go to Alabama get drafted. Uh, I use the word entitlement. You start getting a bunch of millionaires on a roster, how hard are they really going to work? All right. Do you, do you think a high school all-star team could beat Vanderbilt right now? No. Not in football. Basketball. Yes, and that's a. I'm, I'm going to get on that subject in a minute, uh, but but so I think if you're South Carolina or a program along those lines, uh, even Clemson, which I think Clemson may if, if they start getting punked on some of these uh, five star guys, and I don't want to say punked. That sounded that sounded like I'm taking a shot at Clemson. Or if they start getting out, you know, nil'd with some of these national guys, they've got all all Dabo's got to do is gear down. Uh, and this may not be good for South Carolina because they're going to come back in the state with full force. Gear down, you put together the same roster you did in 2015, 2016, where, yes, you do have several national-level recruits, but you, you've also got a lot of really good players that are going to play in the league that didn't come in that way. And hard work and camaraderie and all that got you there. Your culture got you there, right? Because, again, not everybody can be Alabama. Where, yeah, I mean, because Alabama's elite talent-wise walking in the door, but there's not a team that works harder in college football. There's not a program with better culture in college football, which is why I don't think it can be mimicked elsewhere. The Saban plan can't be mimicked elsewhere because it's so much up to him because he sets the tone. And your good programs do have coaches that set that culture regardless of what it is. Steve Spurrier had a culture, Florida and South Carolina. So, you know, if you're the Gamecocks, you're like, well, you know, we've been losing battles to, you know, Georgia or whoever for, the, you know, the seventh. I'll, I'll use Oscar Delp, you know. Where, where would Oscar Delp be right now in their class? Delp would be one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, wait a minute. I'll use the class calculator here. You know, really good class at Georgia this year. Number seventh and seven in the country. They only have one five star, but, you know, some of these guys will obviously get moved up, right? Uh, so Delp would be one, two, three, four, five. The sixth best class player in their class, right? For South Carolina – he and Antonio Williams right now are the top overall offensive targets on the board, and that's not going to change, okay? So, you know, you're – and I'm using Delp as a, like a like a faceless, nameless – because Oscar's obviously got family and some other issues – some not, not issues, but other factors in his recruitment. I, I'm not using – I'm not trying to get into his recruitment. I'm just using him as a numerical example. So, so this guy's seventh in Georgia's class and whatever. So um, it probably would end up if things stay the same, you know, Georgia's going to get more guys higher, you know, 10th to 12th in the class. He's, you know, the Georgia folks are 
not giving him a six-figure NIL deal, most likely. But South Carolina can. And so it's the guys that are in that area. And let me tell you about this. You, you know, you hear the blue chip ratio, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and why I think the blue chip ratio, people make too big of a deal out of it, is number one, the blue chip ratio only is talking about winning a national championship, period. That's it. If you don't have more than 50% on your roster, you're not going to win a national title. And that's a tried and true fact in the modern area of recruiting. There's Clemson was – 50.8, I think, when 2016 when they won it. Uh, and, and I don't know that it's that difficult to get to 50.8. But, you know, when they factor in the blue chip ratio and all that, what, what I don't think people are telling you is that there's an awful lot of non-top 254 stars and those guys in that 75 to 200 range that, that, that contribute to that blue chip ratio. And a lot of those guys get drafted. And a lot of those guys are difference makers, elite difference makers, okay? Um, so you play a little money ball, and you're like, well, you know, we couldn't touch, you know, who, who's the number one player in Georgia's class now? Malachi Starks. But we can make Oscar Delp, you know, and, and again, I'm not talking about the coaching stuff, I'm talking about the people that do that. Oscar Delp, a really sweet deal, you know, because Georgia's out of money or the Georgia people are out of money or they, you know, there's a finite amount of resources. Now you say, well, JC, you just said earlier, the bigger fan bases have more deep pocketed boosters. You know, why can't they just write a check for everybody? Because they're not going to do that. And if they do, then more power to them. Because my opinion is if you just start paying for everybody top dollar. Number one, you're going to run up into the millions. <laughs> um, and even the best people don't have that. No, number two, you know, there's still going to be players left. You know, you can't get every, you can't sign everybody. And so if you're South Carolina, you know, you know, it's kind of a, if you're looking how to spread the money around, if you're doing NIL for the Gamecocks, you sort of play money ball with it. You know, don't pay through the nose for one player unless he's generational when you can pay for 10 with, you know, with a million bucks. You know, you get 10 play 10 players that are blue chip players. Uh, again, unless you're Trevor Lawrence, Clowney, Lattimore, and I use those as, as examples, Leonard Fournette, probably. Um, Maybe Justin Fields, Reggie Bush, Adrian, Adrian Peterson would be on that list. Uh, you know, and unless that one player is not, not going to make a difference, but 10 definitely will. You know, you got a top 100 linebacker, top 100 DB, top 100, two top 100 defensive tackles. That's going to make a difference. And then those guys are going to come in and work pretty hard because, yeah, they got six figures in the bank and everything's fine. But, you know, $100,000 doesn't go as far as it used to these days. I watched the movie The Firm the other night, and I was like, uh, Tom Cruise looks at his uh, wife and goes, did you ever think we'd be making $96,000 a year? And I was like, man, <laughs> that's not as much as it used to be, right? And um, 
And, and so, yeah, it helps. It makes them comfortable. But, but these guys are still going to have an incentive to work once you get them there. You know, and again, if you're even even if you if you get a Trevor, you know, Tre- Trevor Lawrence uh, is a special kind of guy, you know, in terms of work ethic and, and who he is. He's grounded. You know, so is Marcus Lattimore. You know, so is Clowney for that matter. People can say what they want uh, about what his NFL career has been. But that guy played ball. He loved playing ball. You got to love football. You know, that you hear that from coaches a lot. Does he love football? This is going to become much more important. Okay, moving forward. You know, so let the Texas schools and Ohio States of the world and Georgia's, whoever else, let them go bid for these five stars, try to top each other. Make it a big uh, booster measuring contest. Make it, let them go, because, you know, you put that much, and it it becomes a game to some of these guys with money, too. Oh, I got to get, you know, they can brag about it or whatever. It almost becomes more important than the actual games on Saturdays. Well, most people want to win on Saturdays, right? Uh, And then you spread yours around and make it attractive, you know, when the door is shut at the Blue Bloods. Because I'm going to tell you this, guys. You know, they go spending millions of dollars on the top three players, four players in their class. They're not going to cut a six-figure deal for a mid-level recruit. And what you have to do is say this mid-level recruit, and again, I know you you guys have heard me talk about evaluations and development for years during the Muschamp era. That is not this. I'm talking about, like, blue-chip guys. Blue-chip guys. There's, there's 300 of them every year, highly rated guys. For those of you that like the ratings, you know, you know, you're going to be able to cut a deal with 10 of them for what it costs them for one. Well, how are those numbers going to work out when you're talking about a football roster? And so that's what I think a plan needs to be. The plan needs to be for programs like South Carolina. Now you are going to run into it. Like, well, let's say, well, you know, Ole Miss is, got the same kind of strategy let's go there but but i'm gonna tell you this i'm gonna tell you this south carolina boost you know some of these sec boosters are a lot different than gamecocks uh because they've sort of been in the league for more than 30 i mean they've been for 100 years or whatever passed it down through you know there you know old miss when when, they, when hugh freeze was there you, you knew exactly what they were doing and i'll tell you this about old miss um for every Robert Kimdichie and Laramie Tunzel, Hugh Freeze got, you know, a three-star kid out of Georgia or a four-star kid right up the road from Mississippi and put them all in the NFL. Again, you have to play – you have to start 22, and you need 44 to be competitive. You know, one guy just can't be out there as a one-man show. Even Trevor Lawrence and Marcus Lattimore and the, the, the no-brainers, needed a supporting cast. That's football. And I know, you know, and look, maybe maybe I'm not giving some of these folks enough credit, but I'm telling you, there are some people that are passionate boosters right now for some very big programs right now that haven't, maybe haven't been winning, you know, not named Alabama that are like, we're about to go be Alabama because we're just going to outspend everybody. And that's just not realistic not realistic you're gonna bust with half your class Alabama doesn't do it because Nick Saban's there 
Because unless you go hire Nick Saban, that's reality. You know, Kirby Smart runs things a lot like Coach Saban did, and he's been very successful. But I get back to that 2018, the number one class in the country, and I told people when it happened, I was like, you know, comparing that class to Alabama's that year, I was like, you know, don't be surprised. And this was not a shot at Georgia. This was a praise for Saban and Alabama. Don't be surprised if this Alabama class, which I think was ninth, has more guys drafted than that Georgia class, and so far it's held. Held. The, the only time Bama did not sign the number one class since 09, 13 straight years. And, and, and so I think, again, if you're South Carolina, program like that, you come up with a strategy unique to you. And that's what I was talking about yesterday as far as everybody who's been successful in college football has a unique elite recruiting plan that, that, that is designed to maximize the talent on your roster. Everybody. Everybody. And I think if you're the Gamecocks, it's 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 going to be tough to hold your fire because a lot of egos are involved and everybody pays attention to the star ratings and everybody's going, why, why aren't why our class ranked this high and all that? But what you got to concentrate on is the results on Saturdays. And then let's go back in four years, five years, and compare everybody's NIL deal and see how much everybody NIL-wise spent per player for the players. Because you have to report it, I think. It has to be public information. Uh, And then see who got the better value and who's winning the games. Now, the unfortunate part of it is sooner or later people will wise up. But right now, if it stays like this, uh, I know if if you're a fan of the Gamecocks, if you're a Florida fan, you know, one of the best programs in the country. I mean, I, I, Florida State, whoever, Oklahoma, I mean, whoever, you're, you're, you're concerned because you're like, man, you know, these people just going to make all their players millionaires and we're not ever going to get any recruits. And, and that's a bad way to look at it because, okay, let, let's say a team did buy, you know, 25 stars for a million bucks. He's $25 million. If those guys win a national championship, that's an investment that's probably worth it. Okay. But <laughs> the chances of 25, 17-year-old millionaires working hard enough on a fo- to get on a football field and, and beat the best teams in the country and win a national title, go to class and stay academically eligible and work out over the summer, what do you think the chances are of that happening? You better you better get a psychologist to, to thoroughly evaluate all these guys and make sure they've got the drive to do it. And even at that, money changes people, folks. It changes people. If you're South Carolina, let them do it. Let them do it. You may not be able to brag on signing day on the message board to your Georgia, whoever, buddies. Let them do it. Look up the road. At Clemson, look at look, look at the secret to their success. They don't take a bunch of five stars. They take their share. They take elite talent, but they got a ton of glue guys that make that puppy sing. And they're not scared of Alabama or anybody else in the country. And there's no entitlement. You know, I, and I'm not saying that for every single Clemson player. I'm saying in general their program because I do think. 
there's at least one example of that, but um, that happens right now everywhere. But uh, you know, so, so if you're the Gamecocks, I, I'm, I'm sitting back going, wait a minute here. You know, it's a numbers game. You can only sign 25. They'll probably up that to 30. Um, rosters are capped, even if they expand it. Uh, and there's no other guiding measure for boosters that I think they'll take seriously. You know, because again, boosters are egos. They're not going to, you know, they're not, you may have a guy here or there that's like, all right, coach, whatever you need. But no, they're, they're, not, they're oh, no, I'm not. This doesn't make me look cool. My business look cool enough. And there's also the marketing thing when you're talking about funneling through a business. You know, those five stars and the excitement around the fan base, that, that does provide value. You know, like it or not, recruiting's gotten that big. So, you know, all that aside, I'm talking about players and talent and the ability to develop a roster that can win on Saturdays. And that's what I would encourage Gamecock folks to do is that, like, look, you're probably, if you get into a million-dollar bidding war with somebody, you better make damn sure that player's worth it. Because you could go out, and, like I said, and get 10 that could seriously impact your program in a positive manner. And, again, I'm not talking about three. I'm not talking about how they've – how South Carolina normally recruits, you know, get the three stars developed. You're always going to be able to have that. I'm talking about, you know, some of these more elite guys that are, you know, end up being the, like I said, the 12th ranked player in Georgia's class or whatever, whoever's LSU's class, you know, because they're going to LSU or whatever. And, you know, you cut them a sweeter deal because they're out of money. And for what they spent on, one guy every year, you can you can get ten guys, and that adds up over time. And ten guys that'll come work, and you you sort of don't have to worry as much about the entitlement and all that. So I would be very surprised outside of Alabama if schools, you know, looking at Texas A and M, places like that, Texas, they start forking out the cash to win in February. Teams that are smart are going to lay back, let them do it and develop rosters that can win September through January. Playoffs still stop in January, don't they? <laughs> so that's it. So, you know, it's not – and I wrote an article. I'm, I'm probably going to write another article for the Big Spur. I wrote an article called Three Star Moneyball a while back talking about how to recruit the three-star level and how you could build a successful program that way. Uh, and a lot of people read it and loved it. Coach, I still get feedback on that article. Well, now that times have changed – and we have NIL. And I was hopeful. I was hopeful, guys. I was, I was, maybe I'm too idealistic. When they announced it, I'm like, ah, well, there's, you know, there's little chance that uh, companies are going to shell out big money for guys that haven't played it down to college football. I think I was wrong. I think I was wrong. And, and the perception out there, and, you know, these big schools is going to be, oh, my God. Oh my God, we we have to we have to oh, let's go just and it'll last for about one or two recruiting classes and you go eight and five or or, or worse have a losing season because your guys are lazy and don't work not I'm not gonna say lazy is a term I don't really like your guys have already arrived so they're resting on their laurels and and you know the guys that play in the NFL you know. And again, it's not always the first rounders that, that make it in the NFL. You know, they're special. 
And I think it's impossible with high school kids to determine that with any sort of accuracy. You know, you talked about about five stars being 60%. Uh, That number is probably going down to about 35 once we start, you know, the, the, the 32 or whatever instant millionaires or lower. And then we will see, you know, so, so that's football. And NIL obviously does not just apply to football. So I'm going to address everything else. Let's talk about basketball. So basketball is a different story because number one, a lot of these guys uh, could go straight to the NBA if it weren't for the one and done rule and maybe instant multi-millionaires. I mean, you know, seven figures, uh, is what we've been throwing around. Eight, it's eight for basketball. I mean, it's it, you know, and, and and look, it's a sport that's easier to evaluate. Uh, it's a sport where yes, players can definitely develop. We've seen it in South Carolina, but it's not as developmental as football at all. And it's easier to be accurate with the rankings because of AAU, because you get to see good on good all the time. And if you look at the basketball rankings, they are more accurate at the top. So what you're going to start finding out in basketball, because, you know, there is cheating that goes on in hoops, uh, goes on in the SEC, definitely. Uh, You have half the programs that just straight up go get players. Um, Again, those number figures are not (laughs) anywhere close maybe to even the value that some of these guys have to these programs. You know, I don't, I don't know that Zion Williamson got seven figures to go to Duke. I mean, I don't, I don't know that he didn't, but you know, Duke signs blue chippers every year. Why, why, why are you going to fork out a million for one guy? You know, when you can't even get to the final four guys, <laughs> that game, Michigan state, um, so, but in basketball, I think I think what we're going to start finding out is with, with some of these programs that are, you know, cheating their butts off with a little bit of money, I think we're going to find out how much do you care about basketball? Because some of it happens at football schools, especially around the SEC. Um, you know, and then boosters, some boosters care about basketball. You, you float, you know, 20 grand or whatever over there, and that's fine. No skin off my back. It's not a big deal. It's disposable income. But I think you're going to start finding out how much do you care because I think at football schools, again, there's this panic or this concern or this ego trip about five-star football players. Football brings in much more money, all that good stuff. So you're going to start finding out how much are you know you you people that care about you know Ole Miss basketball willing to you know DV you know divert some of those funds. Um. And so here's the good news about South Carolina, I think. Um, I think the fan base does care about basketball. And I think since the Final Four, that's been resurrected a little bit. There was a 10-year period where, ah, you know, <laughs> things weren't so good because every other sport was really good. Uh, but I think since the Final Four, people are like, hey, really, it was such a great experience. People are like, we'd really like to get back there. Um. And I don't know, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't know enough to know basketball is such a different thing. If there is a willingness at South Carolina, 
I know at some schools that there's a willingness to throw a little bit of money at it right now, that there's not a willingness to go very much further, especially at the expense of, of, of football. But, you know, I'll use an example. Um, you know, Frank Martin's still the coach. Say what you want about him. I have my opinions about Frank Martin that skew towards the overwhelmingly positive. I understand some of you do not like the guy. I understand some of you don't like the fact that he gets fired up on the sidelines. I, I personally think he's a great human being uh, and an old school guy, no doubt, you know, has worked his butt off for everything he's got. Uh, but I think, I, I think he can win and, and all that. So, so let's just, let's put that conversation aside before you're like, Oh, I just want Frank going anyway. Fine. That's, that's fine with me. If Frank doesn't win this year. You know, there's probably going to be a change. Uh and then I think you honestly, if you want my opinion on that, I'll drop this here and not talk about it. You go get Bobby Hurley from Arizona State and away you go. So Frank, obviously, with blue chip players in the state, has had an issue getting guys. Now, some of these guys have gotten paid to go elsewhere. So not a whole lot of money, but some money. South Carolina, you know, can't do it. Some of these guys just get convinced because they have people in their, that are in their inner circle that are also greedy, that are, that are greedy and want money that going someplace else is the best way. Some guys just straight up need to get out of Columbia. And uh, you know, we go all the way back to buddy Harper with that. And, and, and that does happen. And that's fair. Um, I think that get, gets used a lot by people who, you know, are in it for themselves or who are selfish and don't have the kid's best interest at heart. And, and they use that as an excuse. Like, like Columbia is the South side or West side of Chicago right now. <laughs> it's not, you know, there are some guys that need to get out. I think that's probably a hand. There's a handful over the years that you say, yeah, and then this guy needs to go in all sports. So you're South Carolina. I'll, I'll use uh, jazz Gordman, a very talented five-star point guard from Keenan, Right. So Gamecocks probably don't have a shot with him. Uh, you know, and I'll use an individual example, and then I'll, I'll talk generally about Frank. Um, you know, Florida State has been winning, and I, and I don't know. I know that Leonard Hamilton's been recruiting really well. I, Florida State doesn't really strike me as a program that's uh, – all right, I'll put it this way. I think they play the AAU game and the game with everybody else, like the Alabamas and Ole Misses and Auburns of the world. I, you know, I, I just, you know, this is a new era, though, so we'll see if it lasts. They've been awfully successful. So Florida State apparently is the team to beat for him um, and all that. Well, I think you solve this <laughs> with NIL. And I'm not talking about Gortman in particular. I'm using Gortman as an example. He, you know, heck, he, whatever, you know, but elite players. And there are a lot of elite basketball players that come out of South Carolina. There's not Buku's every year, but, you know, one or two guys like that, as we all saw with the Final Four with Thornwell and Dozier, can really change the trajectory of your program. Um, and, 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 you know, you, just about every year, there's at least one guy that's like, yeah, this guy's pretty good. So you're going to find out how much you care about basketball because, all right, so, you know, it's tough for a, a five-star guy to stay in Columbia and play for the Gamecocks when you can go to Florida State and they're kind of taking care of you a little more or whatever. And, 
South Carolina doesn't really do that. Well, you're a Columbia player. You've already got a certain amount of value to businesses around town. It's not out of the question. You you can do it. And it's worth it in basketball. It's worth it for one guy in basketball. Uh, $750,000 or whatever, you know, for an NIL deal. And if you're a business, you could you could kind of be smart about it because you can say, because you do have one and duns and hoops. You can kind of say, well, look, we're going to sign you to this deal. But then when you get drafted and the t- this deal is still in place when you're a pro because you can carry endorsement deals with you. And I swear to God, you'll get your money's worth. Do that with two or three guys. Keep them either in-state or go get them from somewhere else. South Carolina basketball won't have a problem. I, I assure you. Even if players think they don't want to play for Frank Martin. Um, because a lot of times when players actually get into the program, you know, if they are elite guys that have a chance at the NBA, I mean, how many guys have left Frank Martin's program? And those of you that are like, everybody transfers. Arr! How many NBA players have transferred out? None. You never hear from these guys again. <laughs> Whereas your Chris Silva's of the world are playing for the Miami Heat because they stuck it out. So I think once elite guys get into the program, they don't leave. It's the other guys that, for whatever reason, can't cut it. And you do have to be careful with that because there are busts in basketball. Seventh Woods would probably qualify as that. But, you know, a 6 1 combo guard that can't shoot, even if he is a five star guy, you know, you're not projecting him in the top 10 of the NBA draft after year one. You know, this, this Gortman kid may be different. Maybe not. Zion Williamson, certainly different. And so we're going to find out who cares about basketball around the SEC and other conferences, especially the SEC with this NIL thing in football. You know, and I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. I, I don't know that the Columbia community and South Carolina Gamecock fans and boosters, are, you know, I'm, I'm – I don't know if that's something that they're that highly interested in is basketball. I think there's a desire to be great at the sport, but is it to the point where they put the money, their money where their mouth is? I don't know. And I'm not being critical. I mean, people can spend money however they want, but I'm saying there's your path in, in, in men's basketball. Women's basketball has a passionate fan base. NIL can certainly I, – I think there's going to be a lot of NIL opportunities for the girls. I think what you have to look out for in this situation is a program like UConn where it's the sport on campus, and there's only – probably only one program that's like this, cutting bigger deals, you know, for the girls. I think that would be a concern. But I, I think Dawn Staley handles her recruiting as well as anyone in the country. She's a, she's a celebrity. Um, obviously recruiting has not suffered in that sport, but taking care of the players, I feel confident that that subsection of the Gamecock fan base, which is unique, uh, you know, not every Gamecock women's basketball fan is a huge football or or men's basketball supporter. Uh, I feel confident they're going to take care of themselves. Um, you know, with a couple of exceptions here, here and there, you know, I, I, I feel, I feel like this is just going to help Dawn Staley continue to be competitive. I, the only pitfall would be like a, like a UConn booster. You know, you're, you're sitting there, you, you love women's basketball. It's you in South Carolina for for a young lady that's very talented. South Carolina has an attractive deal, nil wise. But UConn's like, hey, listen, we'll uh, 
put you on a billboard in Hartford and pay you $700,000. That's more than they're probably going to make in the WNBA. So I think that's what you got to look out for. But, you know, shoot, how many how many people, 15 on a women's basketball roster? They'll take their 15, the Gamecocks will get theirs. It's not, you know, a big deal. Um, so there's that. I think in baseball, this becomes a big advantage for South Carolina because the Gamecock fan base supports it. You're not talking about big dollars with these guys. These guys are, are a lot of them are on partial scholarships. They're just going to be thankful for whatever they can get. Um, and I think it's a way to compete with Vanderbilt in a lot of ways, you know, with kind of how they do their quote unquote academic scholarships and all that. You know, you can say, well, look, you can go to Vandy and they're going to give you this scholarship and it's worth a lot of money, but here's how much their players made NIL wise last year. And here's how much ours did. And game nation will get out and support something like that. I just went through four sports. You guys are be like, man, I got to get a second job. Right. <laughs> but that's my take on, on all that. I, you know, in, in many times throughout the history of this athletic program, mistakes get made, opportunities get blown. Uh, you know, I, I think the last few years people have, you know, reverted back to the nineties and eighties and even the seventies when they got out of the ACC and, you know, have been full of regret because there hasn't been a lot of winning going on, but that's a function of other things. Uh, you know, a hire that didn't work out here or there, uh, you know, recruiting in some sports, that kind of thing. The inability to hit the baseball in the super regional. Um, and so I get that, you know, I, I get that. And it was like this in the late nineties to a certain extent with the fan base where never going to win down in the dumps, shouldn't have left the ACC, leave the SEC, get in the S, you know, ACC, blah, blah, blah. All that. We suck bottom of the barrel, that kind of thing. And, it, and, and that 98, 99 was a horrible year for South Carolina athletics. But it turned. 99-2000, not a good football year, rebound, mediocre basketball team. Baseball was number one in the country, got disappointingly knocked out. Shoot, kind of like this past year, if you think about it, that 2000 deal. Um, baseball got knocked out in the Supers. They were the number one team in the country. That was Tanner's first great team. Kept Bach Knight, those guys. Basketball was basketball was trending up because they had Chuck Itson and those guys had just come in. Uh, I don't think you could say that about last year's basketball team, but they had a lot of problems. Uh, and the football obviously was 0-11, but it was Holtz's first year. So maybe a little different. But uh, you hear that over and over and over again. And, and I think that, you know, when you look back through the history, you can't argue with it. But I'm, I'm going to say this. Things like that don't happen, you know, and look, and I'm not talking about coaching hires because obviously you, you can't say at the end of the day that Will Muschamp worked out. You know, can't say that at the end of the day. You can't say that Mark Kingston's going to work out either. Obviously, Chad Holbrook did not, and those are the three hires Ray's made. So, very small pool, but, you know, you, you're, you're definitely 0-2, could be 0-3, and we'll see what Shane Beamer does, you know. So I get that, but administratively and things like 
you know, investment and facilities and, and all that. South Carolina's a lot more competent than it once was. Now I was worried when Caslin was there, the president, that because of, of the politics, that politics, I was shocked that politics reared its ugly head yet again at USC because I'd always grown up, thought about, you know, thinking about that, being told that Gamecocks will never win because of politics because blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, I believe it exists, but it's dumb that it does because just because the university's right across the street from the state house, you know, doesn't mean you can't I mean, South Carolina is not the only school folks that's in a state capital. LSU state capital, Texas state capital. Where else? Where else is in a state capital? I'm trying to think about it right now, you know, but uh, for look, I mean, yeah, it's not, not the only school Vanderbilt's in a, a state capital, but that's a little different story. So, you know, in my opinion, politics uh, should not impact the Gamecocks. And I was worried about that, but yeah, Harris Pestides is back. I think he's a very uh, stabilizing figure. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's one of the best presidents they've ever had. Uh, I know he liked to spend and those of you that didn't like him spending and worried about the university's financial health may disagree, but from a leadership standpoint and all that, I, you know, I, I'd be much more concerned about all this if Bob Caslin was still there. And there's nothing against him. You know, just kind of the way he came in, the way some things happened, unfortunately. Um, so, so I do believe that there is more competent leadership right now, you know, than there, than there, there was maybe way back when. Um, I, I think Ray Tanner's done a good job partnering with a, a very well-respected company that Texas, LSU, and Georgia all partnered with. Speaking of teams that are in state, there's two in state capital there, Texas, LSU, and they were the same company to provide the infrastructure. Um, I do think South Carolina is being very proactive with it. Uh, I can, you know, I know Clemson has a student athlete branding center now. I could see, you know, that's an easy um, upgrade for the Gamecocks to make too. And I, I'm not so sure that something like that's not in the works. So, you know, I, I think the infrastructure is in place. As I've said before, though, it's it's not up to Ray Tanner. You know. It's up to the businesses and people that, that care about the Gamecocks. And like I said, you know, in basketball, we're going to find out how much not just the Gamecock, every school cares. Because, you know, whereas elite players, you know, have gotten – I mean, you know, the, the whole deal with basketball has not been crazy dollar amounts. It's just the willingness to go play the game. And so – which I think I think is kind of crazy. Now we have NIL, and you have these poor. I'm not gonna say poor guys because they were obviously, you know, trying to cut deals for players. You know, <laughs> uh, as like moral code and those guys. You know, some of these guys went to jail, went to jail. You know, and now we're talking about boosters showing how much they care about the sport to cut NIL deals. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I kind of thought with that. FBI investigation and all that into the the Adidas people that, that kind of blew the lid off college basketball. And this is what's disappointing about the NCAA. 
and really the investigation. First and foremost, if the FBI and the federal government were not willing to share evidence and with the governing body of college athletics, and they weren't, they sealed things, judges sealed things or whatever, then that's a BS case. You know, these guys shouldn't have gone to jail for fraud. I mean, that, that just, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Now, the letter of the law may state that they could, you know, but if you really want to clean up the sport, you don't just send, you know, the, the runner for a shoe company to jail. You, you, you collect evidence and depose everybody, and you turn it over to the enforcement arm of the sport and say, yeah, yeah, here we go. Will Wade still has a job, man. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, but like I said, you're going to find out how much you care about basketball. And, like, I'm not I'm not coming down on any Gamecock fans. Go, well, yeah, it's up to you if you're going to be good. Maybe not. Maybe not. I just know that nobody's been able to solve keeping the in-state talent in-state. And money has been a part of that. Probably not in every situation. And... um I think, and, and and then also the other side of that is a lot of these schools that have been getting guys, they're, they're not they're not forking out a ton of cash. They're just willing to play the game. So we'll see what happens there. But I, I think, you know, the structure, you know, of the NIO at South Carolina uh, is in place. I think designing a program that benefits a higher number of student athletes in a way that, you know, maybe even the blue bloods can't do. And like I mentioned before, you, you just, you kind of spread it out and you say, well, you know, is, is one elite player better than 10, not in football. Basketball depends on who we're talking about. If it's one versus three, who are the three, but something that benefits all. And, and, and this is coming in. You know, uh, I'm talking about recruiting. Hopefully someday they say, eh, you know, you can't really cut NIL deals with kids before they get there or offer them anything. It's against the rules. We'll put you on probation or it's against the law if the government ever gets behind it. And in that case, you know, and you're not supposed to technically use it as a recruiting enticement. Ha ha he he. And in that case, you probably have to revisit this and come up with a you know, a, 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 a different plan, so to speak. Um, you know, because then if it ever becomes about like you have to accomplish all this in college before you get the NIL deal, um, then in that case, you know, it's going to kind of revert back to how it is now with blue blood. You know, okay, well, I'm going to go here because, you know, I can get a sweet NIL deal or whatever. I, I think from a competitive standpoint, that's probably the best thing for college sports is, hey, look, you stay here and prove yourself, and, and here's how much our people are willing to, on average, pay out for NIL. That's not what's happening, though. So right now in the Wild West, and that's what this conversation has completely been about, uh, you know, I think South Carolina has to have something that's got structure, good benefits, you know, tangible evidence, uh, and it gets spread out. And, uh, you know, I always think South Carolina has recruited pretty good. I think Will Muschamp recruited pretty good in football. But you can always have better players, man, you know. Uh, 
when I say they recruited good, I mean, they recruited well enough to go to a bowl and win games every year, you know, much better than six and 16, eight and 19. But, you know, you're talking about upgrading across the board in an NIL climate. I think that's the way you do it. You design something that benefits all. And then again, for basketball, how much do people care? And if they do, I think I think I think that recruiting thing can turn no matter who the head coach is. And I've never said that before. Baseball, I think, is a huge advantage because of the popularity of baseball, and those guys don't make enough money. And then women's basketball, like I said, watch out for UConn. Other than that, I feel confident that the young ladies will have plenty of opportunity. All right, there's my speech on NIL. Remember, as I go back to the beginning, entitlement sinks ships. And this thing right now is developing into a massive, massive ego trip for big money boosters. And it's going to directly facilitate a whole lot of entitlement in a sport where that will destroy you. And that's football. All right. Time now for the I Help Consulting Mailbag. We've been on this for a while, but uh, I want to give you guys your money's worth. You know, not that you pay for it, but uh, <laughs> the money's worth here. Uh, and, and so I want to tell you uh, about uh, I Help Consulting. Uh, y- you know, it's a situation where if your business is needing to save some time and money, again, if your business is, maybe you could. If you, if you contacted iHealth Consulting and you, you save thousands of dollars, you can throw that toward an NIL deal, right? Yep. it's That's not against the rules anymore, folks. Um, but you're always looking to save time, save money. That's where iHealth Consulting can help. It's a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. That's you know credit card processing, internet, uh, insurance for your folks, anything else, building insurance, whatever. iHealth can help find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if I help, can't save your business any money, don't pay them anything. That's right. If I help, can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text my friend Daniel Owens at iHelp at 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number is 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? Please tell them JC sent you. And now it's time, because I promised you guys this. The uh, I help consulting mailbag. So here we go. There's two ways to get in the mailbag, by the way. You know, first way, tweet to at the big spur pod and uh, love to read those and follow that too. Um, and then inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. Two tweets come in, says, uh, by the way. This is funny. Steve Spurrier on Texas going to the SEC. He's like, well, they can't win the Big 12 anyway. He said that yesterday. That's funny. Um, so Chip says, the Big Spur pot, I agree on Skinner. I officiated a game of his as a sophomore, and he was very uncoordinated. He's talking about Jaleel Skinner of Greer. You know, I, I think a camp somewhere or something, he impressed somebody because he keeps going up. And some people rated him a five-star. Was there a highlight film? I've I've seen it. I didn't get it. I don't know. 
But when you're talking about coordination, Chip, I'll say this. Uh, it's a uh, it's a deal where when you say low floor, high ceiling, that's what you mean. You know, right now, this guy can't play. In time, this guy could be great. There's a huge delta there, and it's going to come down to development. So, so here, here's what I'm talking about. Jaleel Skinner's a five-star, right, with, with a lot of people. You know, he's a tight end. So, man, I don't know, but if you, if you think he's this big freak like Kyle Pitts, if you see what he did, and you're big boosters and you want him, want him, want him, want him, want him, you get a bidding war and, you know, you, you give Jaleel Skinner a half million dollars. And he, and he gets there and he's got a long way to go. Meanwhile, uh, the, you know, you go get, you know, if you're somebody else, you go get Oscar Dell, you know, who's better, even though he's ranked third or fourth. Oscar Delp is better, probably will end up better because, like I said, Skinner's got a long way to go. Sometimes guys do develop like that. But, you know, like I said, there's a good example of what I was just talking about, Chip. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, Chris, my man. Chris from St. Pete. Hey, JC, heard your pod on recruiting strategies for various schools. What have me wondering? I know all schools do their own evaluations, but do some staffs fall into the trap of using recruiting services to do some of the prospect targeting? Here's what they do, guys. They they look at it. Most staffs look at it. Um, But they don't just go, okay, five-star guy, let's go sign him. Um, you know, oh, a highly rated guy. We got to have him based on that alone. They're going to watch, they're going to watch game film. They're going to, you know, talk to people that have watched him play. They're going to send coaches to evaluate him. They're going to evaluate the academics. They're going to meet him in person. There's a process that most schools that are good go through. Um, you know, but, but coaches definitely look at that because it's so popular, you know, and, and especially the assistants are like, well, you know, I'm looking for the next thing. You know, if I sign three five-star guys, you know, to a program that maybe hadn't done it, you know, that, that's going to maybe get me to another program and eventually make me a coordinator and a head coach, which is everybody wants to do. Um, but I, I don't think staffs fall into the trap of, of using the, the star ratings. What, what I think is maybe it gives them a soft sense of security, uh, a false sense of security in, in the sense that, okay, we've got all these talented guys on campus or whatever, things are going well. Uh, and then things like I just talked about, entitlement sets in. And I, and I was thinking about Tennessee because, all right, so you look back, Tennessee volunteers under Butch Jones. And Tennessee's a school that's got to recruit, man. I mean, uh, that's the bottom line. They, they, they don't – you've got to go out and find players if you're University of Tennessee. So I'm going to go back to what, what? What was that class? The 14 class at Tennessee? Seventh in the country. Josh Malone, pretty good player, went pro early. Don't remember where he was drafted. Jalen Hurd transferred to Baylor and ended up playing tight end. There's, you know, two – the top two players in the class. Todd Kelly Jr. was number three. I don't remember what happened to him. Dylan Bates, number four. Don't remember what happened to him. Both those guys were Vol legacies, too. You want legacies. Dwayne Hendricks, I think he transferred. Darrell Scott, who they beat South Carolina for. I don't think he ever made it to campus. Von Pearson was a JUCO. Don't remember. Cortez McDowell started. Daniel Helm, 
went back to Illinois, maybe. Uh, so here we go. So we go down one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The tenth rated player in that class, Derek Barnett, absolute stud, all SEC. Uh, low four star kid from Nashville was never probably never going anywhere else but Tennessee. You know, when you go down there, you got the Barry twins and all that. So, so that was their big class, and one guy end up being elite. Uh, and, and like I said, we, we've talked talked to some people, or everybody's talked to some people associated with Tennessee at the time. It's a massive culture issues. All right, so let's let's roll. Let's roll the 2015 class, okay? Top two guys in the class. Khalil McKenzie, another legacy that busted, five-star guy out of California. Kyle Phillips, a five-star kid from in-state. This is the number four class in the country, keep, keep in mind. Bust, bust. Alvin Kamara, bounce-back transfer from Alabama, stud. Preston Williams, high four-star kid from Lovejoy in Georgia, got in trouble, transfers out. I think ended up at Colorado State with Bobo and had a pretty good deal. Shy Tuttle never lived up to it. Drew Richmond was actually better than you thought at offensive tackle. Jack Jones, don't remember. Darren Kirkland Jr., pretty good player. It's so all the way down here. I right, so here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So out of high school. And uh, so not counting Alvin Kamara, who's obviously a great player. Out of high school, the 11th-rated player in the class, Jawan Jennings, who they had to convince to move to receiver, obviously a stud, obviously one of the best players in the class. Have to go on down to, like, the 20s and find Daryl Taylor, who they swiped out of Virginia, who was a pretty good defensive end. So there's all these busts. There's all these busts. And, and, and honestly, you know, I went through Georgia's number one class. They're, they're, they're like I said, 60%. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think false sense of security and and then things like entitlement that just stepped in. Thanks, Chris. All right, I got I got three – I got five in the, in the inbox here. I'm going to read three of them and save two for tomorrow. A lot of them are about expansion. Isaiah says, hey, JC, with the season rolling in, can you pick one person from each position group who you expect to have a big year. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that some guys, for some positions, anybody will have a big year. But uh, I got I made some notes because I read your question before I started recording. Uh, so I'm just going to say, like, who I, who I want to keep an eye on. How about that? Because I don't, I don't want to sit there and predict by position, big year, big year, and then the next thing you know, these guys aren't doing good. Because, because I think that the true answer is there's a, there's a lot of – or. I don't want to say a lot, multiple candidates in each spot. So here's who I've got my eye on quarterback, Luke Doty. Um, I've noticed on the internet, there's a big Jason Brown fan club. I like Jason Brown's skill set. Um, I think, you know, obviously if he can put some heat on Doty and there's a battle, that's good for the team. Uh, I'm not getting into this quarterback thing this year uh, like I did last year. Uh, the best player will play. Uh, coaches aren't stupid, you know, <laughs> uh, Brown has a long way to go. Uh, but Hey, Jason Brown transferred in, you know, Doty's still got five more years, four more years, right? Lou Doty. 
to, to get better and craft his game, be the starting quarterback at South Carolina. Brown is older. He threw for 3,000 yards on the FCS level. If he takes the job, that's just going to help the program, you know. Um, but I will say this. Brown can move around a little and run it. Don't get me wrong. He's not a statue back there. But if the receivers don't get better, Gamecocks are going to need a dual-threat quarterback. You know, it doesn't matter how well Brown throws it, you know. So so that's the bottom line with that. So, so I'm going to go through. Okay, Doty, running backs Marshawn Lloyd. You know, I, I, I think that, you know, as well as Kevin Harris did last year, if you can have two or three productive guys back there, that's really more what SEC, successful SEC teams do. So I'm going to say that wide receiver, I'm going to go with Jalen Brooks, who catches a lot of crap from the fan base because, you know, I guess everybody was under the impression, you know, that because folks like me said, well, he's a good guy to sign. And everybody's like, we don't want to sign anybody from Wingate, blah, 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 blah. You know, because we said a good guy to sign, they need his help that, you know, when he got eligible against LSU, all of a sudden he's just going to light it up. You know, there was going to be an adjustment with the late eligibility ruling and all that. You know, that guy never got on track. He got better as the year went on, but he had a good spring. Um, not as good as to carry on Joyner, but, you know, I kind of want to go another direction. So Jalen Brooks right there. Uh, tight end. I've talked all about EJ Jenkins. You know Nick Muse. High hopes for both. I'm going with Jaheim Bell. He's listed at 6'3", 230 now on the roster and looks looks more bulky. Uh, this guy's a football player. There's a reason Florida wanted him. There's a reason Oklahoma wanted him. There's a reason Florida State wanted him. Ball player. Uh, and thought he was the, one of the best players on the field during the spring game. Catching passes, uh, running the football from scrimmage. So look out, you know, people do have a nice, uh, you know, people do have expectations for Jaheim, but it could, they, he could surpass those. Offensive lines, Dylan Wanham. Dylan Wanham was a freshman All-American, has not returned to form. I thought he struggled last year at times, probably had his worst year. Game guys, you know, for Dylan's sake too, you know, he has NFL aspirations like his brother. Uh, time to have a really another fantastic year, take it to the next level. Defensive end, um, I'm going to go with the obvious that nobody's t- that everybody's talking about. Uh, JJ Enigbari, uh defensive tackle. I'm, I'm going Pickens. I think Zach is is ready to have a breakout year and will have help on the D line this year. Linebacker, I'm going to go out of left field and say – not really out of left field because he's a popular recruit, but he's a freshman. I'm going to say Debo Williams puts it all together. And you're end up – at the end of the year, you're like, he's a fan favorite. Safety, I'm going to um, gamble a little bit here <laughs> and say Jalen Dickerson stays healthy the whole season. And, and oft-injured players have done that before. Debo did it. Finally, he made it through. But or Debo Samuel, not Debo Williams, but uh, I'm gonna say Dickerson corner. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Pronty lives up to the hype from the Big Twelve. Uh, I do. I think you know this guy could be somebody that in a secondary with a lot of question marks provides the answers. Punter and kicker. Uh, I'm gonna go punter Kai Kroger, obviously, who's on the Ray guy list, and kicker. I'm gonna say look out for Mitch Jeter on long field goals this year you know parker white's pretty good from inside 40 
not so good from outside. He's got a big leg, obviously, but the accuracy's not there. I think Mitch Mitch Jeter could be a guy that does that also on kickoffs, maybe. Uh, Mitch didn't have a good start to his career because he had the kickoff job and things didn't work so well sometimes. But uh, I've been told he's really become a lot more consistent. So thanks, Isaiah. All right, so one more. Mitchell, JC, with Oklahoma and Texas, 99% coming to the SEC. Uh, during the last conference expansion, what in particular made the AC, SEC decide to add A&M and Missouri to the conference? And did they by chance consider any other teams during that time? In addition to the situation college football is in now, why won't the SEC continue to consider adding a team from North Carolina like UNC, NC State, or getting Oklahoma State instead of Oklahoma? It would make more sense since the Big 12 will still have their relevance. Oklahoma State wouldn't be bad to programs like Missouri and Arkansas. Uh, and either getting the Tar Heels or Wolfpack would put the SEC more into the Charlotte-Raleigh markets and up towards the Virginia border. Your thoughts? Um, all right, so, so several things about this, Mitchell. First, I don't think the SEC gives a flip if the Big 12 has relevance or not. I think, obviously – if they did, they wouldn't have poached their two most iconic programs. It's about building value for the Southeastern Conference and its member institutions. So that's that. So I'll go back and answer this. What made SEC decide to add A&M and Missouri? So A&M, and, and remember, the 2011 expansion was for different reasons. It, the focus was on, it's still about TV, and it's still about broadcast rights and things like that now. Money. Basically, but but back then that was cord cutting hadn't really set in yet. ESPN was paying huge numbers for rights, cable TV, you know, and in the cable TV business with ESPN in particular, even if you have you know a couple that let's say they don't even watch sports, you know, they're they're just watching Lifetime or the History Channel or documentaries all day. You know, lots of people don't like sports. You're still getting their six dollars a month. ESPN was one of the most expensive channels for cable companies to carry. Billions of dollars coming in. Well, cord cutting started happening, and that money stopped coming in. You know, it got lower and lower and lower. So, uh, when you're looking at expanding your footprint, and footprint's a key word because that's what conference expansion was about last time. Footprint. This time it's not. It's about brand and overall numbers and, and, and value of content, right? Because when you're just looking to expand footprint, you don't really even care about the value of your content. You're, you're just like, well, we're getting everybody $6 in the state because there's enough fans there that are going to bitch and moan if we don't have, if they don't have ESPN because there are the SEC network because they can't watch Missouri. So we're rocking and rolling. It's not about TV market now. It's about eyeballs and brands. Um, so why wouldn't they, you know, so they added Missouri. Obviously, you get St. Louis, Kansas City, uh, and those TV markets in that state. Missouri is um, population-wise about the size of Tennessee, maybe a little bigger. But two major TV markets in that state, no-brainer. 
regardless of the fact if, if they fit in the league or not. And they were they them and AM both wanted out because of the Longhorn Network because because that's what that's what ticked them off. Other A and M in Missouri in other conferences you're getting all that TV money pooled and distributed in the, in the big 12 Texas gets to keep all that longhorn money. So how is that fair? And that's why you saw Nebraska and Colorado leave. SEC. So, so, so that's why they, they added Missouri. All right. At the time, uh, I think obviously North Carolina would have been, and yeah, you know, I think the SEC, I'm convinced too, I heard this. At the time, the SEC would have taken Duke too, along with North Carolina. And North Carolina wanted to join. That's very valuable brand. State of North Carolina has big TV markets. That would have that would have really helped. Um NC State was was a was a school that was sort of mentioned. Uh their athletic director, Debbie Yao, put out a real snickety snooty state as a charter member of the ACC kind of deal. Um, I always thought NC state would be a great fit because, you know, they've been, they've won two national championships in basketball and like the most tobacco road schools, they care about that sport, but you know, they also care about their football program and they also get treated weird, you know, by North Carolina and Duke. So, you know, and they're not like a Wake Forest. So, uh, but but that was that got shot down. Um, there were Oklahoma State and Oklahoma at the time were talking to the Pac-12 and all that. So, so that's why that happened. And look, honestly, like I said, Mitchell, if you're looking at footprint, Missouri makes more sense than Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. That's changed. Um. So, all right, I'm reading this question again. The relevance thing, yeah, they don't care. Um, and I, I agree that competitively, if you're just talking about setting up a league, uh, Arkansas and Missouri probably welcome Oklahoma State, you know. But that's not what this is about. And, 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 I, and I think, too, there's two different things. I think Missouri fans are probably like, wow, you know, Texas and Oklahoma again. Here we go again. But probably good to see these people. But I, Arkansas people have to be over the moon regardless of the fact that it makes it tougher for them because they have a long-standing rivalry with Texas. Texas plays at Arkansas this year. I mean, that's, you know, that's like restarting Georgia, South Carolina after several years. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Or, or Georgia Clemson would be a better example. Um, getting the Tar Heels or Wolfpack would bring the SEC more into the Charlotte Raleigh markets and up towards the Virginia border. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, in 2011, that's what it was about, expanding your footprint, TV market. Um, they talked to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, though, if you, if you look back when they got in the ACC, they were about to get left out of that first round of ACC expansion in favor of Syracuse because of the academics, because at the time, you know, people were under the impression that that mattered, and I don't think it does. Uh, and the Virginia government was like, and it was a close, like North Carolina Duke, some of these other people were voting against tech coming in. UVA was almost on the no because the academic, again, academics, oh my God, we want Syracuse, you know. And the Virginia state legislators like, uh, no, you're not. The Hokies are getting in. You know, so because that happened like seven years before that last round of expansion, everybody's like, 
Yeah, well, Virginia Tech, you're going to leave and go to the AC, SEC now after everybody, you know, twisted pe- people's arms to get you in the ACC? No, you're not. I don't know if things would be different right now for the Hokies or not. Uh, I do think Virginia Tech would be a logical choice. Uh, but also, you know, like I just said, it's not about markets anymore. It's about brands, you know, and, and, and look, if you're talking markets or brand or whoever, University of North Carolina, any conference would love to have them. But, you know, you kind of look at it and go, they kind of run the ACC regardless of what any, you know, regardless of Clemson dominating in football, they kind of run the league. But, you know, Texas sort of run the big, ran the Big 12, so did Oklahoma, and they left. Um, I just don't know that North Carolina would make that move. But I do think they're an attractive option. But when you're talking about brands now and and all that, if you're the SEC, you know, before, you probably wouldn't want Florida State or Clemson in the east, on the eastern side. Now you probably would take a good hard look at it. I don't know, members, I don't know, you know, Texas A&M is going to vote Texas and Oklahoma in, so I'm pretty sure South Carolina and Florida would probably vote Clemson and Florida State in just because of the future. But – that was the deal there. Thanks, Mitchell. Always enjoy your questions. They're always very thorough. All right, so we got three more. We're going to get to tomorrow. Friday's going to wrap it up again. Heading to the beach Saturday. I will have some content for you guys. Um, okay. While I'm gone, uh, and I'll kind of lay out what, what all that is tomorrow with my farewell show. All right, South Carolina fans, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Talked about a lot. Hope it made sense. Probably will have some of this in an article at some point so you can read it and reference it. But, uh, you know, boy, lots of big topical things. Last two days, a lot to say, big picture-wise. Looking forward to when I get back to uh, talking a little Gamecock practice and personnel and some of the nuts and bolts because we do have a football season coming up. You have to actually play First year of the Shane Beamer era. Folks, have a great Thursday. Again, Heritage Digital, iHelp Consulting. Please support those businesses because you never know. You support those businesses, man. They may end up helping, you know, your favorite team uh, sign a guy to an NIL deal. So it's always good to keep the money in the family, so to speak. J.C. Sherbert signing off. Talk to you guys tomorrow.